Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Today, if you want to either read on the screen and, uh, or in your apps or Bibles, we'll be in Luke 15. I want to read two verses and then we'll hop to verse 11. Luke 15, starting with verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And although I don't have it on the screen, the scripture, verse 3 says, So he spoke this parable saying, and he started in verse 4, and he started talking about the uh, lost sheep, that there was a hundred sheep, and one was lost. And then he goes on um, in verse 8 and says the word or, so we know that that's connecting it. He then shares about the ten coins and the one coin lost. And I've spoken of this before, but just in case you need a reminder, Um, that was like a devastating thing for a woman to lose one of her coins. It would have meant like total disgrace and the end of her life as she knew it. So it was a really big deal. But it goes from 100 sheep to 10 coins to one son starting in uh, verse 11. And um, either way, he was showing joy. I felt like this morning I was like, Lord, you know how I always like the words to all start with the same letter and all this and he's not letting me do that so much but I thought I thought of three different areas of our life that he's referring to and that was the livelihood and the life and love or love that extends to the generations as an inheritance really big deal here and um, also I didn't I, I know that I've read it before but I didn't realize that all of these are in the context of the Pharisees murmuring and complaining and and trying to pick at what Jesus was saying and doing. So really all this was a lot about the Pharisees. As we move along, we will see how it came about. Okay, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, um, as far as I can see from everything that I've studied, the way that we've been taught like this was a disgrace and that uh, they, were, they were in essence saying, I wish you were dead, give me, you know, give me what is mine. Um, I don't see that to, to be in where I studied at all. Um, however... Uh, This was something that could be done. And so you notice here it says to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, Jewish and Roman law did not permit that they could just give land, property, you know, anything that was considered inheritance um, arbitrarily. He couldn't just dispose of his estate and say, well, oh, I want want Joyce to get a fifth of it, you know, and, and then you two sons, you're kind of, lazy bums, so I'll give you half, and then all the rest will go to, you know, Kelly over there. It wasn't allowed to be that way. There was very, a, a very much a certain way that 
property could be disposed. And the first son always received the double portion. I thought it was because it was so great, but it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. He had a double portion because he had to be like the administrator of the estate. So there was a lot of related costs to that. Probably none of us have learned anything so far, but we will continue. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. But wild living, I looked up the word because I'm a nerd, and it means excess or squandered, and the star means, in King James it said, in uh, quotes, began to be in want, which will be a little bit significant a little uh, further down the row here. Um, but the, the, the word scattered, um, which was one of the definitions of wild living, or could also mean to waste, but that root of that word, it actually means to be driven by other impulses. So it wasn't just that they, that he wanted his inheritance and he wanted just to spend it all the way he wanted to spend it all, but actually, according to the root of this word, he was driven. He was driven. There was something driving him in there. So um, I thought that was really interesting and not that he was just, you know, you won the lotto and so now you're going to try to spend all the money you can <clears throat> On to verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, as most of us know, that feeding swine was like considered one of the most degrading employment options. Um, Jews and other nations agreed, and get this, even Egypt, whose name means black, even Egypt had the swine herders completely cut off from society, they could not worship their multiple gods, and they couldn't even marry the lowest of people. So we're talking like some serious uh, things just being employed as a pig feeder. Um, and the pigs, at the very, very worst, they would be getting pods from the carob tree, which apparently tastes really awful, but if they got dried out a little bit, then they might taste a little bit better, but they weren't really purposeful for human consumption. And uh, because no one gave him anything, most people believe that that means that he was a slave and that he just had to uh, rustle up somehow food for himself and that he would have been beaten if they found him eating these uh, carob tree pods. So he was starving, right? So this story continues. And I think, too, that Jesus uses this misery to just say, you know, this is, this is the place and the depths of misery that one can come to. And he was illustrating that point in this parable. Now on to verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, 
I have sinned against both heaven and you. We see here true repentance. We see a, a true change of heart, um, in his words anyway. Now he only needs to follow through on it. Uh, another nerd point, uh, I just wonder if the Holy Spirit was really directing people as they were uh, translating the Bible, because this is verse 17. And 17, according to the Hebrews, is an intersection of two roads, and the road is 10 and 7. But it, it means spiritual intersections. So to me, I thought it was so cool that when he finally came to his senses, you know, he came to his own spiritual intersection, and that he was able to make some decisions that show that maybe he still, still had some of a sound mind left. Verse 19. Um, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. So here we see the, this son, he is following up his uh, repentance as far as his, uh, his mouth. He's, he's making his words and his deeds come together. He's truly repentant. He had to first come to himself and then he would come to his father. But the story is not over. Luke 21, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Now this is something I learned this time around. Seems like I can always learn something new. How about you guys? Um, I learned that when um, a person wears ring and sandals in that day, that was a mark of a free man, and it was a mark of honor and di dignity. And the captives, formerly, they would have their shoes removed. And then whenever they were liberated, the shoes would be restored. So the shoes was a big point about freedom and uh, not freedom. And ironically, we learned in ladies' Bible study, uh, in the morning study, um, we learned that servants slash slaves was very different in the Hebrew culture. You never served more than six years. And because they didn't have other things in place, and if you couldn't pay for some kind of debt, you could work it off. You know, maybe similar, you might think, I'm thinking of uh, one of my friend's husbands, they both are uh, doctors, but my friend's husband worked it off with the government, and so he just got stationed at different bases around the United States until he could pay off his debt. Um, I don't know if it was limited to six years or not, but for the Jewish people, we learned in the Bible study on Thursday that it was a maximum of six years, and it was to give them an opportunity to be able to pay. It wasn't ever designed to be something cruel or mean. It was a way to have a peaceful transaction between two parties. Hallelujah. Verse 23. So he got the ring, he got the sandals, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. 
So the party began. So in King James, remember I mentioned earlier that the sun began to be in want. And now the script has flipped, and in the King James it says, they began to be merry. So we can see a progression here that this was a progression. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. In the King James, I believe, it says that he entreated him. That means he, he was pleading with him. Uh, begging him is also a good word in that, too. Verse 29, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you ever told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to you, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything that I have is yours. A little insert here. Um, somehow, some way, this older son... I don't know how it happens, perhaps because of hardness of heart, I don't know. But this son, somehow the older son, um, could not recognize and, and have that father's heart, probably because he was talking about the Pharisees. I would guess that it would be a hardness of heart and then a calloused heart and then a continued hardness of heart. And um, I don't know, we all have, hard heart, have had hard hearts or calloused hearts, so we're not beyond that ourselves, but wow, look at the father being so gracious with both of the sons. It's just like, it's nothing I've ever seen. Verse 32, we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he, was, he is found. So as I said, Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees that were murmuring and complaining and, and having a cow because Jesus was getting more attention than they were. And, and they couldn't control Jesus, unfortunately for them. And so this was, um, this was a bad day for the Pharisees. So in Luke 15, I, I saw this uh, list and you know how I am with lists and tables. So I just thought we would mention this briefly. And if you didn't get a copy of one, there are copy, copies of them over the, by the um, offering box there. But here's 10 acts of the father. He saw him a great way off. He had compassion on him. He ran to meet and welcomed him home. He fell on his neck and kissed him. He heard his confession and forgave. He put the best robe on him. He put a ring on his hand. He put shoes on his feet. And he made a great feast. And he began to be merry. So this time is for anybody that would like to either honor uh, 
their fathers or perhaps maybe you're in a situation such as myself where I'm asking the Lord, I'm thinking, well, Lord, I don't want to ask people to do something that I wouldn't do. So how are you going to make this good? And it seemed like when I was in the, um, you know, getting ready for church this morning, it seemed like the Lord was saying to me, uh, your dad showed his love by working, by putting a roof over your head. And for him, that was the complete deal. And so that's what I have to share. I'd like um, people to be just, you can stand up where you are or, or just speak loud sitting down and just um, have something that you want to share about a father or a father type or perhaps you never had uh, had them and you had either a spiritual uh, person or a person that played a role as the father. But I just like to give honor. The Bible says that we are to honor our, our mother and father and also that we might be honoring the Lord in this. Maybe you see something that you see in Father God, you see in that role of person that was a father for you. So here's your time. Should I like to say something? So, um, he is my stepfather. He's my father. Um, he's been in my life since I was five years old. And um, I would say from the day that I met him, I remember walking into the kitchen, there was this man sitting there, and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> and then from there on, he's never been not a part of our lives. We've gone through ups and downs as a family. Uh, but one thing Lee's always done is none of us kids could ever do any wrong. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we did. Uh, Lee would always be proud, whether it was Brandon with football, Andrew with swimming, FFH. Me with swimming, I was the best one, but he'd be the one that was always there for every single swimming. He thought we were boring as hell. But he was always sitting there on his lounge chair for every single one. Uh, every school function, anything, it didn't matter what award we were got, if we got if it was most, you know, MVP, which is usually the brothers, or if it was most improved, which is usually me. <laughs> <laughs> he was always there. And I remember uh, when we swam, my dad was a rep, or my my, my uh, biological dad, and uh, Leo always said, no, I can't do it, I'll TQ them all. Everybody's going to lose except for my kid. Yeah. Uh, but I just always appreciate your love and kindness to all of us. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Somebody else. Um, my dad, uh, he was full of wisdom and intellect and stability and peace and creative in a really unusual way. Um, and he was, he was a rock and um, he provided for our family and loved us unconditionally, and I just, I miss him really bad. I'm so thankful to Papa for him. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Somebody else. Also, if you're a father and there's something that we, you really like about being a father or grandfather. Well, I've been a mom and a dad at points in my yes, life. Yes, you have. Where I've had to, to be both, and that's a challenging challenging act, but I was, uh, I had Teen Challenge, uh, three men from Teen, three three men from Teen Challenge uh, come out and clear my property out of McKinneyville, I have five acres, 
And they did a, a scrumptious job, if you ever did. Anyway, and you know, my dad was the kind of man who could do anything. He's much like you, Randy. He could do anything. He built houses. He did plumbing. He did electricity work. He built cars. He repaired cars for the neighborhood. He built things. He was a very creative man. Um, but I didn't know him until he retired. I mean, I didn't know him in a way that was personal until he retired, where he actually had time to stay home and be a daddy because he was so busy like yours, working and providing that he was constantly gone. I really didn't know the man, except for just wait till your dad gets home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> but uh, I just thank God that I had a father like that because he instilled in me, you know, this get her done, do it even though you don't like it, stay faithful, stay strong, and um, and I just love that about my dad. You, those are qualities that you don't see too often anymore in this day. And, and a shout out for Devin Peel, who gave me two of the most scrumptious children I've ever <laughs> known in my life. And I just thank him and, and their mama, Melody. So, yeah, it's a good day to celebrate daddies. They are a special group of people that... Um, provide and protect and they're love them anybody else come on don't be shy all right well let's pray Father God, we just thank you and we praise you that you have um, given us this opportunity to not only uh, know each other, but Lord, I thank you that through your son that you gave it all so that we could have a relationship with Father God. And Father God, like I was saying yesterday, I'm just so glad that I get to have a relationship with you. And I just thank you, and I praise you, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.